Okay. You back on? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was I, lo- I accidentally logged out because I was trying to see if uh, go on the login on the other account on the buzzardry account to see if uh, uh, it, it, it had been tweeted on okay. there. But it, it's yeah. it's fine. Yeah, and that that shut the whole thing down. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I yeah, just the, retwe- I retweeted it on. Okay. On okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're good. All right. Well, I guess we'll roll right into it. We'll, we'll, we'll wait a second to see if a few people hop in here. We've got Jonathan. Everyday Eagles is in here. Um, or Eagles Nest. Every, uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Eagles Nest. Uh, and Pat, you were, at the, you were at the game last night, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was a uh, it was one of those kind of ugly games. It was pull up the box score. It was seventy plus possessions, uh, but it was only sixty four to sixty. And it was one of those just a really physical game. USM didn't shoot it well for the second night in a row. I believe it was two of sixteen. Uh, but he made a couple. Felipe Hase. I mean, obviously he was the uh, yeah. made a couple big threes late. Um, to kind of put you in position to pull away there and or you know, put you in a decent enough position, close the game out. Uh, but yeah, it was a game where you, you didn't play your best basketball. You had, um, um, I guess turnovers, uh, turnover 13 times, which isn't great, but it's not terrible either. But yeah, it was just getting where you kind of played mediocre basketball, uh, but played good enough defense. Um, and that was able, you're able to get a big win, um, yep. at home in a game you really needed to get to start one and out. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, we'll just roll right into it. Um, yeah, you, I mean, you made the point. You said they didn't play their best basketball. I think that is that's accurate. And looking at the schedule, kind of looking back on the last couple of weeks, I don't think you've really played. I mean, you could you could say that you haven't played your best basketball yet. Um, that could be true, but you haven't played good basketball against a good opponent probably since Cancun. Uh, maybe that Montana game, um, you know, Northwestern State, Lamar, McNeese State. I don't know much. I know I don't know how much you can really take out of those games, but particularly, you know, the last two over this last week, you and LV and Troy, you have not shot the basketball very well at all. Um, if I can pull up the box score here, let's see. I mean, obviously, two of 16 from three was kind of the story. And you, you didn't shoot it just poorly from the floor. I mean, you had a lot of points in the paint. You're 41% from the floor, but I mean, 12% from distance. I mean, that's, you know, more often than not, that's not going to get it done. Um, especially the way, and we, we've talked about this on one of the last couple of episodes. You gave us the numbers. I mean, the, the pace of play has really increased over this last month, and they have taken. Southern Miss has taken a whole lot of looks from beyond the arc. And that's, that's sort of, that's been, you know, the, the offensive philosophy uh, from the start of the season. And that's just the Jay Ladner offense typically, but even more so over this, over these last couple of weeks and even the past month, uh, the offense has started to lean a little more heavily on the three. So when you shoot 12% against a really good team, uh, you know, you know, if you cover up the score, look look at that those percentages just by themselves. I mean, I would probably have guessed that Southern Miss would have lost this game. Um, and obviously, you know, like Jay Ladder said after the game last night, a lot of the credit has to go to the Troy defense because that's you know they force a lot of turnovers. It's kind of 
I don't know if they were playing a matchup zone. They kind of switched back and forth between a man and a zone last night. Um, and actually, I don't know why they went to a zone in that second half. That's really when Hase started to get going. Um, anyways, that's I mean that's a really good defense. It's high pressure, and I think you could also say the book is out a little bit on Southern Miss, especially without Neftali Alvarez. Uh, they don't respond well to the high pressure. And, you know, when they're not getting the open looks, they tend to force things a little bit on the offensive end. The ball tends to stick. And that was the story in the first half when you only scored 26. Uh, I thought the adjustments were, were pretty strong in the second half. We were, that ball started to move a little more fluidly and moved Hase down more to the short corner, kind of running the baseline. He was able to get some open looks there. Uh, and that was really what kind of got the offense going. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's got to be encouraging uh, to pull out a win in conference play against a really good conference opponent who is, I think, expected to compete at the top half of the conference uh, when you don't shoot it well at all um, and don't necessarily play even close to your best basketball. I think it's got to be encouraging. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering, so earlier in the year, there were moments when the team shot it pretty well, but I'm kind of wondering, coming into this year, we were kind of, um, I guess, we had talked about maybe the, the uh, outside shooting, because you kind of go like, Hase yeah. has had a you know a long career of being a great three-point shooter. Oh, uh, but you look at Crowley, he was a guy at Ole Miss who was a pretty average shooter. Um, and then you kind of just look at the other guys, I mean, Mo Arnold's never been a great shooter. Um Harris um, isn't a threat. I don't know if he's made a three-pointer in his career. Pinkney's always – I mean, he thinks he's a below 30% uh, three-point shooter in his uh-huh. career. So, you know, that's something you maybe kind of watch and look for is a uh, potential um, reason to maybe be concerned, just the yeah. um, the roster and you don't maybe don't have some great outside shooters. But, I mean, I think there are some games where, you know, I think it's going to be inconsistent throughout the year. I think there's going to be games mm-hmm. when you shoot it pretty well. And I also think there's going to be games like you've had, uh, you know, these last two games against UNLV and Troy where you don't shoot it that well. So I think it's going to be touch and go, yeah. uh, three point throughout the year. And I think if you can if you can get around thirty three percent on the year from three, which is average D one average, I think, um, I think that is something uh, that you would take given the roster, and you just don't seem to have um, some really great shooters yeah. or just a, a bunch of them. On this team, and also Alvarez is a guy. Um, he's kind of more of a distributor, more of a guy that can handle the ball. If you go back and look at his stats at Mercer, I believe he was below thirty percent. Yeah, uh, from beyond the arc. Uh, if I can uh, pull that up uh, real quick, but yeah, I mean, I just think, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, if this team is making threes, that they can win without the threes. It's just yeah. um, when they're making them, it's, they're really tough to beat. But they're going to have to find ways um, to win games. Um, when you don't make a lot of threes, which right. they did yesterday, they so. did. Yeah, and I think I think part of the reason it's a big deal for Alvarez to come back is, and I was I was thinking this the majority of the game. I mean, I think I think Mo Arnold is a little bit more. Uh, I mean he he's he's not a pure point guard. I'll say it like that. I mean he's he's got some one on one ability. Um, he's got some shooting ability, uh, but he is. He's not the distributor and a guy that's going to really break down a good defense like we and, – and we have not seen a, just a, a ton of Neftali Alvarez. So I guess, you know, it's 
you still say that that question is unanswered whether or not Alvarez can do that. But I think he showed you some things early in the year when when he was healthy that he can do that for this offense. And I think I think you just had a lack of um, you know a, a good point guard play last night. Um, and that's not to say Mo Arnold didn't play well. I thought he had a good game. I mean, he's a huge key defensively. Um, you know, he's even when Alvarez comes back, he's he's still I think going to you know, get twenty plus minutes a game if you can get Alvarez at one hundred percent back in the starting lineup. But it is, it, I think, it's a necessity for this team to have a pure point guard. You didn't have one last year, um, and I think that was a, a big reason that the ball again stuck a lot. There was a lack of movement, a lack of fluidity in the offense, and we saw that. We saw. Southern Miss kind of get that back early in the season when Alvarez was at at, at the point. And I, I again, I don't know if Arnold really has that ability or that's just not an, an emphasis in his game. And so I think that is is kind of the main reason it would be big to get Alvarez back is you have a guy who's, who's going to be able to break down a defense and create open shots for other guys because – there was just a lot of standing around and one-on-one basketball last night. And against a good defense, a lot of really great on-ball defenders like Troy does, your offense is going to stall more often than not. And you're going to turn the basketball over. You're going to have bad shots, which might as well be a turnover, even though it isn't that in the stat sheet. And um, yeah, I mean, and part of it too, last night, uh, you know, I don't know how completely accurate this is, but, my guess was that Jay Ladner, his use of the personnel was reflective of the way that Troy plays. I mean, we saw a little bit more Victor Hart um, than we have in the past couple of games. We did not see Donovan Ivory much at all. Right, um, right. I don't know if that could be a health issue. or You know, maybe he was sick or something. I have no idea. But I think that was a little bit more refl- reflective of the way that Troy plays. I mean, very physical you know, again, high pressure on ball and uh, very physical on the other end of the floor too. And Ivory's not a big physical guy. I mean, they they had some real size. Um, Troy did uh, at just about every position. They would, you know, really they really like to push you around. And so uh, that that could have been reflective of that. And because you didn't see a lot of Ivory uh, or Nico Aguirre, I mean, you those are two shooters who have been good from beyond the arc um, in spots this year. I think you could say the same about Marcelo Perez. And so it was, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the box score now. It was really interesting the way that way that he dealt with substitutions. I mean, there, there was no player outside the starting five that had more than 10 minutes. Hart, right, and Armstrong, right. both had seven. McGuire had seven, two and Perez had five. He just played two minutes. And so, I would imagine that's not going to continue that trend because I think there is real depth on this team. And that's, that's certainly not been the way that, that Jay Ladner has dealt with substitutions uh, to this point. And so, it, you know, part of it could have been these last two games with the struggles on offense could have been just the way that your opponent plays. And Ladner felt like he had a better chance playing, you know, the five guys and, and more of a, a physical presence uh, to counteract that. Um, so I, I don't really know where I started with this, but I I think the offensive struggles, like you said, are going to come and go, but I I think there's more to be optimistic about with this offense than there is to be concerned about. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think I guess you were saying about Ivory. I mean, he was a guy I was kind of just wondering late in the game, like, why isn't he in the game? Because your offense is struggling. He's kind of one of those guys. He kind of reminds me of a Dom McGee type, kind of a uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, a six man spark plug. Uh, you can bring off the bench offensively. He he's pretty, and he's just like kind of like McGee, pretty aggressive, right? Uh, in terms of taking shots and and creating. But I guess uh, my question would be, when you get Alvarez back, what kind? I mean, what what's the lineup? I mean, I guess you go with. Alvarez, and then you would um, Crowley, Hase, Pinkney, and then Harris was the uh, fifth, right? Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah. I was going to say either Harris or Mormon, and I think mm-hmm. you go with Harris. I feel like with with Harris back, I feel like that's kind of eating in, or that's definitely eating in uh, to Mormon's minutes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then you bring in. I, I would say Ivory would be your sixth man in that situation. Uh-huh. Um, well, Mormon didn't play at all last night. No, he didn't. Yeah. yeah. So um, I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that would be the best five. Uh, Harris is limited, uh, even though uh, or, or offensively, uh, although he's better than he was last year offensively. Oh, yeah. But he's one of those guys, uh, solid defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring him in there. So I think that's the five you go with, and then your six man, and then um, you, I mean you have Arnold to spell uh, Alvarez um, at times. Then you have some of the other kind of role players like a Perez, right? on um, McGuire, Armstrong, etc. So, um, but would you agree with that or do you, would you change that in any way? Or I would, I would. Yeah. And, and again, I think Mo Arnold is still going to play a lot. He's going to give you a lot of minutes because again, he was, I mean, that was a huge, huge factor in, um, in that win last night was, I think Leiner talked about this in his post game presser uh, was, I mean, they ask Mo Arnold to, to pressure the ball handler for Troy 94 feet. I mean, just about every minute that he's in the game. Um, I mean, that, that shortens possessions that breaks up the offense. Uh, that's a really big deal. And, you know, that is, that's something Mo Arnold can do that not a lot of guys on the roster can do. And so I would expect him to, you know, be right in there with ivory was one of the, one of the first couple of guys off the bench and to give you again, 20 plus minutes a game, uh, even with Alvarez back. But yeah, I would, I would agree with those five. I think that's, that's probably the group that's going to give you the best. Or I mean, again, we, it's still a limited sample size. We've not seen Alvarez just a lot, especially against good competition. Um, which one division one, one division yep, one game yep. was that Vander, Vanderbilt game. That's right. Yeah. And he was really good against Vanderbilt, but yeah, I mean it's it's just it's different in conference play, and you know obviously the concern is his health, and so you'd imagine they're probably going to work his minutes up slowly, depending on what his what his outlook is health wise. But just given the small sample size, I would say those are the best five. Yeah, and then, and then I guess getting into um, App State, mm-hmm. App State's a team. Uh, just looking at them, they are 229 in, uh, in Ken Palm, and they just lost uh, pretty badly yesterday at Marshall, a 79-53. Now, I have to imagine that's a really tough back-to-back going from Marshall, and then they, I'm sure they had to fly in to New Orleans and then drive to um, Hattiesburg. So that's a pretty tough trip for those guys mm-hmm. in a, you know, less than a 48-hour span. Um, it was kind of wondering why they have the back – surprise they're not playing at um, – or whoever, like a JMU or someone like that, They're just like a travel partner. But um, you just kind of looking at them, uh, just things that stand out. They only get offensive rebound twenty one percent of the time. Um, 
<laughs> of their possessions. That's near the bottom um, uh, nationally. Uh, and their team, uh, a lot of seniors, a lot of guys that um, either were have transferred in or just guys that have been in the program for a while, uh, a couple guys that have transferred in. Um, so I'm just, yeah, experience, uh, a little bit, 278 D1 experience. So um, maybe not quite as experienced as I thought, as I thought they were. But, uh, but there, there, it's a team that you really, if you want to you know, be in the mix for a buy and uh, in the regular season title, um, it's a game you really um, want to win and start 2-0. and And then I think, you know, after that, you go on a four-game road swing and if you can split that, you'd be at four and two headed uh, back to Hattiesburg for a four game uh, homestand. So I think win this and then split the next four. And I think you'd be in good shape to, uh, you know, hit your goals. Yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, looking through, looking through the results for App State, I mean, nothing just really jumps out at you. I mean, beat Louisville and that, you know, I, maybe was an impressive win early on, but. I right. mean, that doesn't just mean a whole lot. No. Um, and sh- and uh, lost by one to Wake Forest. And Troy should have beaten Wake Forest too, right? Or am I mixing uh, those up? Uh, they had uh, Arkansas. It was Arkansas. Yeah. Okay. Um, also played San Diego State. And there was somebody. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was them too. Um, yeah. I mean, they're capable. I mean, they competed near the top of the conference last year. And there's, you know, there's some talent there. You, as you mentioned, I mean, not just a ton of experience, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, you know, a great example of the expectations being raised uh, rather quickly. I mean, this is a game that you should win at home. Uh, if you want to compete for the top of the conference, like you said, if you want one of those buys, then this is a game you need to win. Um, and, you know, I, I think the offense needs to be a little better, uh, or, you know, you just need to, you need to start to create some momentum for yourself ahead of this, this big road stretch uh, where you go, you play the, the two Louisiana schools and you go up to Marshall on, what is that? The 12th? Oh, that's the ESPN two game. Yeah. The 12th. Yes, yes. And, um, and then I guess Arkansas state and, you know, they're, they're just, there aren't a lot of easy games on this schedule. Um, you know, it's, I would say there's a pretty good amount of parity, even though it's not a, just a fantastic basketball conference, uh, but this is one of the games I think you would pick out that you really, really do need to win and should win. Yeah, I mean, you've already seen – so yesterday there was – it kind of looked like there were seven teams. I think we talked about at the bottom seven of the top seven teams. And you already saw ULL lost yesterday to Coastal. Mm-hmm. And then you saw um, ODU lose at home to Arkansas State. That was a big upset. Yeah. And, yeah. and just based on the probability, I was looking at the Bart Torvik, um, just like probability to win the conference regular season. And he really has three teams that are standing out. Um, just, I mean, almost based off just, I mean, based off the non-conference and then obviously uh, the results yesterday. But, I mean, he has almost like 100, or let's see, between Marshall, JMU, and USM, it is over, oh, well, that, they're, they're, these numbers don't add up. But eventually, Marshall, JMU, and USM have the best chance to win uh, the regular season. And, yeah, so teams like ULL and ODU have already kind of hurt their chances by losing games on opening night that they should have won. This is an example of a game, um, you know, that you should win. And if you lose, it's going to, you know, hurt your chances uh, to do what you want to do. So, uh, anyways, if anybody wants to ask uh, any questions, we got a couple of questions uh, just through the um, just through Twitter. 
Oh, good. Um, okay. Um, um, but if here's, wants- here's a question to, to kind of break the seal. And again, if, if you've got a question, just um, I guess there's a request button that you hit. And yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. you on here. I, uh, I was talking to Heath Hinton earlier today. And um, first of all, it's just amazing that we're having this kind of conversation. Um, but what, what needs to happen over this next month for Southern Miss to start being in the conversation for the top 25? Oh, I think you have to win every game because <laughs> I just feel like, you know, the, the AP poll, they're like, well, you know, they're thinking, you know, the UNLV loss isn't bad, but they kind of look at like Northwestern State. Northwestern State is a solid team, but like yeah. if, you're top, if you're a top 25 team, you should beat Northwestern State. Yeah, and right and right now, I mean, the only I would say signature win is Liberty on the road. That's a quality win. Vanderbilt to an extent, because I guess mm-hmm. you you just kind of look at that Vanderbilt win. And if you had lost that, I was just thinking about uh, the Vanderbilt game. And if you had lost that, you would have just even locally, you would have been like, "Well, USM, they're having a good season, but they want to win. They want to win. They want to win a game in the SEC." So uh, that yeah. is why you yeah. are happy to beat Vanderbilt, even though the Vanderbilt's not a great team, just yeah, to show you, yeah. you can compete or compete and beat a power yeah. conference opponent. Um, but, yeah, I think you would really have to start rattling off like a 14-15 game win streak yeah. uh, to get in the top 25, I would think. Yeah, I, think I feel like uh, the, UNL, the UNLV game kind of put a into that kind of talk. But, yeah, we're yeah, talking I, about it, though. I agree. That was uh, that was that was kind of what, what we concluded is that you're, you know, you're pretty far out, but it's it's not. I mean, it's not just a a wild scenario where because I mean, you look down the schedule, like we said, there there not a lot of games where you you're just going to be a huge favorite. But there, I mean, every game on the schedule from here on out is is a winnable game. And yeah, I mean, if you get Alvarez back and your offense really starts to hit on all cylinders and the defense is as good as it's been, I mean, I don't think that's Obviously, we're just kind of in dream world here a little bit. But, I mean, that's – you know, I feel, I feel like we've earned that over the, <laughs> the last decade of basketball a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. That that was just a just kind of fun scenario conversation that we had earlier. Um, we can jump into those questions we got. Yeah, we got – we got one, Yeah, we got one question uh, from Cloverleaf. He was asking uh, – I forgot the exact uh, – uh, wording of it, but it's basically what is the most likely thing to happen first? USM wins the game in the NCAA tournament, USM makes it to Omaha, or USM football makes it to the playoff uh, once that expands mm. in 2024. Mm. So I was looking at this, uh, or you can go ahead and answer, but I was just kind of looking at the probabilities of uh, some of these the, things earlier. The uh, the third one, was it win the game in the playoff? or No, I think it was just make, I think it just participate. Okay, okay. I think it would be – oh, gosh, that is hard. Um, <laughs> I would need to think about that. I mean, I think – I mean, my first inclination is is to say win a game in the NCAA tournament because, like we have talked about in, in the basketball NCAA tournament is what I'm talking about. Um, we have mentioned a couple of previous episodes. I mean – if you if you are just competitive um, and you know you get, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter what seed you get in the conference tournament. If you play in the conference tournament and are competitive, um, then you can go on a run and you can win 
the conference tournament and you're dancing. And then, I mean, college basketball is just basketball in general is of the nature of, you know, it is, um, it lends itself to the upset. And so I, I'm, that's why I say basketball um, is just because the, uh, there's just more parity and the barrier to entry to a, to a big win like that, I think is lower uh, because we saw how hard it is in baseball um, last year with as good as we were, and it's it's really difficult across a long 12-game football season to put yourself in a position to be in the top 15, um, you know, at whatever point you expand to, um, you know, down the line. And so I don't well, know, that's, that's my first have, reaction. Hmm? Or said football, you wouldn't necessarily, necessarily have to be top Well, yeah, well, okay. Be, yes, but, yeah. but still, yeah, I mean, yeah. Point yeah. Is that I'm trying to make is, yeah, you would have to have a, a really good, strong – football season and a really good conference. And I, I, don't, I just feel like it would be more likely in basketball. Yeah, I agree. So I was looking at um, the Bart Torvik, uh, whatever, just tourney cast. And it was, they give USM like a 4.8% chance to get to the round of 32. So that's especially a, a one in 20. So, I mean, if that was in Vegas, it'd be what, 20 to, yeah, 20 to one on. So you have about a 20 to one chance to win a tournament game according to this particular forecast. Um, and I guess and then it would just come down to what do you, do you think baseball's chances of getting to Omaha are better than 20 to 1? I mean, so, I mean, that's kind of the question there. And I, I don't know. I mean, do you think uh, – what do you think of that? Does baseball have a 5% or better chance of getting to Omaha? I mean, it's – I guess it changes every year. I mean, this yeah. is – so this is a broad this is a tough question good question um yeah i mean i, I think i would have said yes last year uh, i think jury's out a little bit this year um well obviously we'll talk about it we'll break it down but uh it's it's not far off uh, i think those two are probably pretty close yeah yeah so, I, I, yeah i'm leaning toward basketball just cuz it it's just it just takes one. Well, I mean, I guess you gotta, you know, you gotta get there first, which is a hard thing. But I mean, right, right. If but you win three games, like you were saying, you win three games in the Sun Belt tournament, and then you just gotta win one game. And if you know USM, if USM gets in the tournament, it'd be like a thirteen type seed, sure, uh, more than likely. You know, four thirteen upsets happen all the time. Oh yeah, more. I mean, bigger than that. You've seen two. I mean, fifteen over twos are almost become uh-huh. the new. Five over twelve, and you know, you've even seen a sixteen finally get a win. So if you mm-hmm. if you get in there as a thirteen seed, you got at least a puncher's chance. Whereas you know, yep, um, you know, baseball, you have to get to the tournament, which you certainly expect this when you get to the tournament. But then you got to win a regional against. I mean, just based on geography and who plays in the regional, usually uh-huh. um, probably be a really talented team, and then you got to win a super regional against uh, someone really good. And so I mean, it's just. It's, it's a lot, uh, yeah, like you're saying, it just kind of feels like a lot tougher, mm-hmm. even though, you know, the baseball program is that, you know, bright, you know, they're still better than the basketball program um, in the just grand scheme of both of their sports. Um, whereas, but yeah, basketball, I guess to get there, you don't have to beat as many great teams as you do in, in baseball to get there as a thing. You just have to beat right. three Sun Belt teams, and then you have to beat one great team in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. So. Yep, I'm with you. Good question. Uh, I've got the other one right here. Uh, and again, if anyone has a question or topic, 
feel free to jump in. Uh, okay, I lost it for a second. Oh, here it is. Brick says, I know this is looking way ahead. This is a football question. How do you think USM is going to show up to the Mississippi State game next season? Do we have a chance with our roster to make it a close game? Yeah, I mean, that's – yeah, I think you look at that game next year and um, I think you look at that in Florida State as the most difficult games next year. I would say Florida State uh, would be maybe a touch more difficult. But you look at Mississippi State, that's a team with a – I mean, they'll probably have a top 30 roster. I think they're right inside the top 30 of the team composite. So they're not a blue chip index team, uh, but they recruit, you know, mostly high three stars and a couple or, you know, probably about 20 or so four stars on the roster. Um, so that just makes it, it makes it difficult for, uh, from a talent um, standpoint, because you're, you're going to be at a talent disadvantage in those type of games. Uh, but, you know, you kind of look at, uh, you know, the other Sunbelt teams, you look at Marshall being a team with a top 10 roster, you, you beat, or yeah, top 10 roster with Notre Dame. And then, App State beat a top five roster in Texas A&M, and then you look at Georgia Southern beat Nebraska, which probably has a you know kind of one of those fringe top twenty-five rosters you know, comparable to a Mississippi State. Uh, so it's a game where you'll be an underdog. It's not an impossible game to win, uh, but it is a game where you will. I mean, you'll be probably a two touchdown underdog at least, um, and this is, it'll be a game that uh, you'll certainly have to play really, really well to win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're gonna have to you'll pl- have to play mistake free, and you're gonna have to catch some breaks. Uh, and you're gonna have to have a really good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, which uh, which we will uh, talk about at length uh, leading up to the next season uh, and throughout the off season. But yeah, uh, I would you know that's a that's a winnable game. I don't you know I, I think I don't know if you would call Mississippi State down. But it's you're not playing, and I know Texas A&M was maybe not a great example, but you mentioned the top five roster in App State who was not very good. I mean, just put together a really good game, uh, executed well, forced some turnovers, and you know things went their way. And that is um, certainly not out of the realm of possibility for Southern Miss to get a win like that. That would uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, those were the two questions we got um, for Twitter. If anybody else has um, any other questions, they can just uh, request to speak. But I guess we haven't talked about. Uh, there haven't been any, anything new out of the uh, the portal yeah. since we last. Yeah. Uh, so I guess there's the dead. Did it still in? The, are we still in the dead period, or is that? Um, I I think I want to say the first week of January is when it opens back up that Monday. Okay, Don't quote not- me on that. Uh, but, but I think, yeah, that's the final two weeks is when it's that, uh, I guess, January 2nd to 15th. Is that the second yeah, it's, Monday? It's like I don't know. Mid, yeah, mid, uh, mid to late January. Um, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I got, we didn't talk about because he didn't have social media. Um, so he didn't, I guess, tweet out as uh, Gabe Cavazos uh, from State. He's a tackle, uh, played at Lake Cormorant. In, uh, in DeSoto County. So he's another guy to add to the, uh, the tackle yeah. room. Um, really don't know a ton about him. He, you know, he's a mid three-star player um, out of high school. And he is, uh, I guess, I think he has three years left to play. Um, but that was a guy he kind of flew under the radar just because he didn't have, um, or he didn't have social media. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's still, uh, I guess we, did, we, we didn't talk about um, uh, Colby Cage either, did, did we? 
the uh, linebacker from Arizona. Oh, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. Yeah, he, he's a linebacker uh, from Arizona. Started um, earlier in the year for him. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a guy from uh, – played at Holy Cross, I believe, in New Orleans. So, I mean, he's another guy we just talked about this roster-building philosophy, but, you know, getting guys um, from power conferences that are from, you know, this footprint, the South Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, you know, this part of the country, and then getting those guys uh, closer to home uh, later on in their career. So, yeah, he's another guy that uh, that fits that mold. Yep, and that that linebacking room is kind of – it's kind of shaping up to be a similar story to what, what you did with the defensive line in the portal last year, you kind of, I mean, that was a concern. It was a little thin and then you kind of flipped it on its head. And, and obviously it was a strength this year. Uh, I think they're, they're well on their way to, to that being the case, especially with Hayes Maples and Swayze Bozeman expected to come back. If you can get those guys fully healthy, I think you feel pretty good about the linebacking room. Um, do we want to talk about Luke Altmeyer not coming to Southern Miss? I mean, that I don't know if, how much of a story that is, but yeah, certainly I, talking about it. I guess I'm just glad he didn't drag things out like Miles yeah. Brennan did. As long as he kind of, um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like it was trending. I think once people saw that he visited Illinois, that was probably yeah. where he was going to go. And that was uh, after but, he visited Southern Miss too, which, yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, I didn't yeah. interrupt you. No, no, I, w- I wasn't saying anything. But, but yeah, he's he's going to Illinois, and um, I guess you know he was kind of this year's white whale uh, yeah. in the quarterback market. Uh, you don't get him, which yeah, again was expected. So I, I, they still have to add another guy. I don't know if they're going to add another guy. I really haven't heard um, any indication or word on how that's going to happen. But yeah, Altmaier, Illinois. There you go. And and what a ma- I guess we have five, six spots left. I need to go back and look. Yeah, uh, I can never figure out the uh, the scholarship math, but you have 17 guys signed, um, or high school guys signed their letter of intent. Uh-huh. And then uh, in the portal, uh, I, I guess all six of these guys, or I can't remember if um, Thomas and Cage, I felt like those guys were kind of late, so I don't know if they signed, but they're, I mean, you have 23 guys you've brought in, um, according to what I'm looking at right now. Um for some reason, I thought it was twenty. Or I had read it was twenty four, but twenty three guys. Um, uh-huh. And uh, had what four transfer out? E- right. Uh, let's see. Shard Burgess, um, the tight end. Low. We didn't talk about that. And Trey Low and Trey yeah. Low. We did not talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess, what are your first thoughts on? On that, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the expectation was, first of all, for him to hang it up. I mean, he's he's been playing college football a long time, and I don't think I don't think anyone really knew that he was planning on continuing his his career. Um, I, I mean, I, I think just the way that the staff has been aggressive in the portal uh, and just the way that, I don't know, the way that they've talked about I mean, coach Hall has been very upfront about the fact that, that, you know, it's, he's been embarrassed with the quarterback situation in the last two years and he knows very well that it needs to be fixed. And so, you know, you're bringing in all of this competition, I think, and I have no idea, but it, it felt like from the outside looking in, like the staff was, not expecting Trey Lowe to be back. Uh, I mean, he went out there on senior day 
And again, he's been in school for a long time. So he's got a, however many degrees. Um, so it was just, it was surprising. Um, I think, I think he'll get a shot somewhere um, at a lower level and he's, he's still got some good ball left to play. Um, you know, it could be a matter of him wanting to, I don't know the specifics of it, but people have been saying he's getting, getting his PhD. I mean, it could be him wanting to go continue in terms of academics and, you know, obviously have that paid for and, to keep playing football, it just kind of works out like that, where he just enters the portal and it works out on both ends. Um, but I, fact remains, it was pretty surprising. I think everybody thought he was done. Yeah, and um, I don't know. If some people are saying, "Well, you know, is this a sign that?" Um, or I guess, I guess people kind of thought like, "Is low? He gave you a lot, um, and those last couple of games got you to a bowl." Yep. But I guess you're just kind of thinking like his ceiling doesn't give you maybe the best chance to you need some guy like blows thing was kind of just throwing it 15 16 times a game managing the game uh-huh. and you needed to be able to elevate um at that position but i mean it's kind of a risk because i mean he was the best quarterback or, the, or he had proven the most out of all the quarterbacks on the roster um right. so that's kind of the risk uh you run but yeah i mean it's like you said it could be a situation where he needed you know phd program somewhere and um so yeah i mean wish him the best and i think absolutely right now, um, you know, he was always a class guy. And, um, so yeah, I guess next year you just look at the guy right now, um, could, uh, barring, you know, any transfers, you have Edwards, um, Wiles, Keys, Wilkie, and, um, I guess those are the, or in that, um, kid from, uh, Tus- Ethan, uh, blanking on his last name from Tuscaloosa. Um, the quarterback. Oh, um, let me pull that up. Ethan Crawford. Crawford. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. High school kid, right. Right. So those are the um, – I guess those are the five right now that look like they're going to um, – you know, that are in the mix at least. Um, so yeah. plenty, plenty of competition there. Yeah. And another just thought I had on losing low. I mean, this would have been the case that he just graduated and moved on, but – I mean, he was he was sort of the veteran leader in the quarterback room, even yeah. though you know he didn't have just a ton of experience. But I mean, he had been in the game and he had on field experience throughout his career, um, though it you know it, maybe it wasn't broad experience. But I mean, with those those five six guys you mentioned, including the the two high school guys, I mean, there's just there is um, a lack of a veteran presence. I mean, it's a, it, it is a very, very green room. I think a, a talented room, but very, very green. And so you're sort of, yeah, you're rolling the dice on the potential. And I mean, that's, that's the part that, that hurts about not being able to land a guy that's proven, um, be it at a lower level or, or whatever it is at the quarterback position. Um and as we've talked about, I mean, it's that is a very difficult thing to do to go get a an experienced, proven quarterback, even if it is at a lower level. And so that's um, that's you know, a big part of the challenge. Just you kind of start from the ground up again. I mean, Keys obviously has been in the program for two years, and you know you have you feel like you haven't seen really the potential out of him. I think you can say the same about Wilkie. Um, and then with the two transfers and the two high school kids, I mean, you, it's, it feels like it's just kind of wide open. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's 
sums it up pretty much. So yeah, I mean, you have those uh, those five. I, I mean, I, I feel like if you had another one, you'd, you'd have six scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. So I almost yeah. feel like I almost feel like they're done. I think they're done. It does feel like at, that. At, at quarterback, and I think use those remaining spots. See if you can somehow get a tackle. I'm sure they're being active with that, mm-hmm. and seeing if you can add uh, a couple more at these um, other positions of need. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll go over. I mean, um, next time we're uh, we meet together, that'd be, I guess, next, not this upcoming Monday, but the next Monday, is that right? Or Sunday? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, we'll go over the uh, the signing, early signing class, kind of guy by guy, and just kind of go over um, just each one briefly and uh, kind of expound more yep. on uh, on those players. Uh, but, yeah, that's just the update in the uh, transfers and kind of just state of the roster and yeah. right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think they're probably done, unless you get one of those – White whales uh, that you mentioned, you know, yes. maybe maybe Grayson McCall can't find anywhere to go. <laughs> he lands in Hattiesburg. That'd, That'd be, be fun about that. Yeah, yeah it would. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's it on the portal. Anything else, Pat? Any, uh, I haven't had any questions. No, I think that is. Um, I think that's it. I mean, you had brought it up. The uh, Marshall game flexed. Uh, yep. to an ESPN2 broadcast on January 12th. That'll be a huge game, two of the top yep. teams in the conference. Uh, yeah, that's the first, I believe, first linear broadcast USM has played on in a conference game uh, for basketball since 2011 at Memphis. Uh-huh. Um, before that, it might have been Louisville in 2005 at Reed Green. Um, so it's been a while, and it's good publicity for the program. And mm-hmm. I think that's a game that could uh, – could get some eyes on it just nationally, just because it'll it'll have uh, implications on uh, you know who wins the regular season title in the Sun Belt since this is the only game right uh, between these two teams, so tie breaking and, and that sort of thing. So, yep, every yeah every conference game is big, big one tomorrow. That's that's one that we talked about. You need a win. So, um, that I'm assuming you'll be there. You'll be in the yes, dirt. yes. Love to see. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to. You would think, I guess, the maybe crowd would be a little bit bigger. Yeah, I guess we, we, yeah, when, it, when they talk about that. So it was really solid crowd, I thought. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Um, last night. And I, I, maybe New Year's Eve will keep some people away, but it is mm-hmm. earlier, earlier in the day. So, mm-hmm. I mean, people still would have plenty of time to go to the game and then, you know, still prepare and do whatever New Year's Eve plans they have that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it'd be nice to have another big crowd because – I mean, that was the first time. I mean, it might have been the biggest crowd since Tyndall. Definitely uh, the biggest crowd since the Alvin Kamara game against Louisiana Tech oh, back, yes. in, um, back in 2019. So uh, the fans are coming back. Yeah. And uh, that was, yeah, it was really good to see because it, uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, it does. And, and part of why I think it was impressive was is there was no – I mean, yeah, it was the it was the conference opener in the Sun Belt, but – there wasn't just a huge storyline or, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't this big setup to it. It was just kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a holiday conference game on a Thursday night and you had a really strong crowd that was into it. And that is without the students, without the, the band being there, and it was still a really strong atmosphere. So yeah, as we've talked about lots to, lots to be excited about golden Eagle basketball. Yeah. So that'll uh, that'll wrap us up. I'll post this on the uh, the feed tonight. I'll, I'll, I'll um, to use the whatever the internal recorder uh, extension 
and uh, I'll put it on the feed tonight. It'll be um, people will be able to listen to it, um, or you can just go back on this. This is being um, recorded, um, so either way, just on my on this Twitter feed or uh, on the RSS, RSS feed or you know Spotify or iTunes or whatever. So, um, but yeah, uh, that'll 